Hi, my name is Kirsten, and welcome to the Drama Therapy Going Back to the Roots of Healing podcast with Vow FM in collaboration with Drama for Life. In this series, we're diving into the power of art and what it means for our mental health. This is to shed some light on the tools that we have within us to cultivate our well-being. Welcome to episode two of Drama Therapy, going back to the roots of healing. This is with Vow FM and my name is Kirsten once again and it is so lovely to be back here with you for episode two. In episode one, of course, we spoke just quite broadly about drama and therapy and how these two things come together and actually how they have a place in our identity as human beings and as creatures who access things like play and imagination and creativity. For this episode, I'd like to now bring it into you who is considering maybe studying drama therapy. It is can be quite a rather long studying process, but a really rich one at that. And so I wanted to outline for you the process that would be in case you were considering taking it on. So to do that, I'm going to give a little bit of framing first to start with, and then we are going to be chatting to Cabello Mujetle, who is a master's drama therapy student at Drama for Life. As I said, Drama for Life is the school of its where you study drama therapy, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his experience. But before we get into that, let me just outline for you the basic training, I guess, process that would be for drama therapy. First of all, you would need to study an undergrad in either drama or psychology. Now, psychology is absolutely vital to the field of drama therapy, but drama really gives you that insight into the creativity and the processes that could be harnessed for therapeutic change. So an undergrad in either one of those two is absolutely vital. Then Teaching and applied theatre experience is favourable or it's recommended. Now, applied theatre, it's pretty much just the application of theatre, as its name suggests. So if you've ever been involved in some kind of community work that involved theatre and teaching programmes, that could be something that could help you in your application to Drama for Life. Otherwise, even if you don't have that experience, apply anyway and see what happens. Then once you've got your undergrad, so you would have gotten your undergrad from some tertiary institution somewhere, then Drama for Life is a postgraduate school. So you would come and you would do your honours in drama therapy and then you would do your masters in drama therapy. So this is a very similar process to psychologists, right? So once you've done your postgrad, you finish with your masters, then you're going to go to your internship, which is a year where you're going to work as a drama therapist, and only then can you register with the Healthcare Professionals Council of South Africa, otherwise known as the HPCSA. And once you have registered with them, then finally you will be a drama therapist. So as I said, it sounds like quite a long process, but of course, when you are responsible for other people's healing, it really becomes important that you get that nice, lengthy, deep education that you really need. So obviously, you know, you can have a look at all of this information just on any website if you were to Google on the VITS website or something like that. But what this conversation is really going to be about today is about the personal touch, the stuff that maybe the website is not going to tell you. And so I'm really excited to be able to chat with Cabello about his personal experience. And without further ado, 
I would like to officially welcome him. Cabello, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. So, I'm glad to be here. I, I'm so glad that you are joining us. So, Cabello, you are, you've just completed your first year of studying Masters. Yep. And you're going to do your second year. Yeah. So, now, tell us a little bit about your journey of studying at Drama for Life so far. Is it ever since I started, or rather, how then I came into the space? Let's start with how you came. That's a really interesting one. Mine is very interesting, because ever since I was in high school, I wanted to do drama, right? Maybe perform or something. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, I, I never really knew what I wanted to do. Because then, so whenever people ask me, what in drama am I going to do? I'd always say, I want drama to teach, to inform and to heal and educate. I'd always give that answer, very poetic and very abstract, but I'd always give that answer. <clears throat> so fast forward past high school, I go to um, varsity and I study at, at a different institution. Uh, there, it's around May or June, and I'm busy in the computers, in the library. I have no idea what I was doing. If I was looking at the VITS website, whatever, I really have no idea. That's when I came across Drama for Life, and then that's when, uh, looking, looking, looking on, uh, on that link, click on that link, and then the, the course is all offered, then I see Drama Therapy, I'm like, what? Well, this now sounds interesting. So then I go now to Google and research what Drama Therapy is, and I was like, this, is like, this sounds like exactly what I've been wanting to do. Because for some weird reason, I've always had this fascination as well with psychology and just with psychology and the working of the, of the human mind. And like just, not, not, not even just the human mind, but like just understanding people and various types of people. But I also, also found that boring. So I just like, okay, so like this sounds fun. And then immediately after my undergrad, the, the, then that's when the journey to come to, to Drama for Life began. It's specifically for drama therapy. Wow, okay. It's amazing that it's like you almost had this vision from the beginning even though you didn't quite know what it was but it's like it chose you already in exactly. your answer that you told people exactly <laughs> exactly they'd be like what? i was like i just want to do drama to teach inform entertain heal and uh, even for me it didn't make sense what i'm gonna do yeah. but then i think as as soon and i found out the more and, and not even just drama therapy right but then like at that time i learned about drama therapy then i also learned a little about the various um applied aspects of drama and applied drama and applied theater and it's like okay this very much leans into my interests of education yeah, leans very much into, into my interest of activism leads very much into my interest of social working, if I can put it like that, then the time started. And that's amazing with drama therapy specifically, because it has those intersections with exactly applied drama. Mm-hmm. And applied drama, yeah. I feel like we're throwing this word around, applied drama is, of course, it's like drama therapy, but not with the mental health aspect. It's, as you said, it's more activism-based. Mm-hmm. It's more social justice-based. And what's so wonderful, what I love about drama therapy is that drama therapy really makes room for the social justice conversation as well. Exactly. That sounded like that was some kind of fire alarm, but we're going to ignore <laughs> it. We're going to be living on the edge where we even have the sounds of the Bramfontine Street just filling up the ambience, you know? We feel like we're in a coffee shop or something right now as we're having this conversation. So you've told us about how you got to Drama for Life. Now you've done, well, it's two years now, right? You've done your honors here and you've Actually, done your master's. Year. It's your third year. Tell us about after that. my degree, uh, 
after my undergrad degree, I was like, eh, um, I don't feel strong enough to jump into my honors as yet. So then that's when I, I diverted. And I, I, then I first did the postgraduate diploma in applied drama. And then went to my honors, then went to master's. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So that's another program. It's a year program that yes, Drama for program. Life offers. Yeah. So now you've had three years here then. Tell us about your experience being in this space. It's been a very interesting space, and especially for, for an educational space or a space of higher education, it's been very interesting. Um, I've been very intrigued by the flexibility of the nature. Because let me not even lie to you or, or to everyone, the programs that offer here can be very intensive and very time-consuming, energy-wise, physically, and, 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 and there's a lot. But I think what really helped is the idea of... Um, it's a very flexible space in terms of the various educational, educational methodologies that they used, which really, for, for me, was something very new. Um, so in terms of the various educational, educational methodologies, but also I think um, the space, the Drama for Life, has this very keen interest, not just, just educating, then like you're leaving, but this very keen interest in community. And not just drama for life as a community, but like what's happening now in the greater community in the outside world. How can you fix that, or how do we fix that? And what does my role as a now practitioner, whom I'm, as I'm as I'm learning the skill, what does my role then at this time fit into the greater community, into the nation or the continent even at large? So I think that's very much. It's very been now. Um, <clears throat> Because of that, I've been not been very much balancing my own identity, and my own personal identity, my own identity as a professional slash practitioner, and then how that how that fits into um, the community that either I'm placed in or I'm seeking to see myself working in in the future. Wow, that is that thing of you know that flexibility of being able to draw on different parts of yourself exactly to fill these different roles exactly because I my first month here I just came in very rigid as a student just like give me the notes I'll go memorize and study take the, take the exam then like be done but <laughs> you realize that's a very quick way to fail <laughs> in this yeah. in this space because of just how things are done so it's like so tell us because you're speaking about how yeah it's different methodologies and it's not quite the same as that traditional university experience that you're describing Mm -hmm. so what does a class at Drama for Life look like I mean it doesn't sound like you're just sitting at desks and writing notes as the lecturer speaks I genuinely wish there was desks (laughs) I also do I know exactly what you're referring to Cabello I also wish a lot of times I wish there was desks but um, I think uh a class is really student-centered. So it's not only about what can you as the lecturer tell the students, but rather what do you then as a student have to offer for the, pro- for the progression of this session, for the progression of, these, of, this, um, of this season and uh, of, of the outcome that you're trying to receive. So number one, the class can be or is at times very, very student-centered. But one thing it also means, um, um, the difference is that... Um, Yes, it is an institute of higher learning. So yes, you are, expect, you, you are expected to produce results as is a university, especially at, at the postgraduate level in terms of the various academic um, expectation, expectations they have of you. But I find it interesting how there, is no, there isn't a reliance on the archive as we know it. So by the archive as we know it, I mean 
I go to, to the library, I go to the museum, that on its own is an archive and I learn from that archive, I take information from that archive, I apply and I move on. But what I find interesting is that um, the class in itself also places very big emphasis on your on you and your own personal experiences as the archive. So then how does it influence what you're learning? How does it influence how you work out there in the field? How does it influence your, um, the type of work that you want to do or the type of work that you have to do? For example, let, let me put it like this in my sense. At this moment in my class, I'm the only male doing drama therapy. Yeah, right? it's true. I'm the only male. Yeah. Last year, during the honors year, I was the only black male. Wow. Right? So for me, this, then, they, they become, there comes a lot of, I don't want to say identity politics, but yeah. Because it then does. I have to first now reconcile myself and my own identity that I hold in this space filled with women, where all my lecturers are women, and the only male lecturer that I have is white. So then how then do I, as this black male person, come into this space, right? And then how do I um, navigate and negotiate that? And I think um, one of the things that then, that, that's really being impressed in, uh, into me is also then the type of work that I want to do, or rather the, 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 the type of people that I want to work with. And I've, I've realized recently that for me, I feel happiest, I feel more content and fulfilled when I'm working with other black men. So we do want to work, rehab centers, prisons for juvenile men, um, and other spaces where the, um, it's, it's people like that. And what, what happens is that I usually draw, draw back from my own experiences as well. Why? Because I was raised in a male-only household. My mother only had boy children. So I think drawing the intro from my archives of my relationships with my brothers, how I got along or didn't get along with them, and just navigating those things, and then how can I move that into um, the space that I work in, and especially with now my fellow other black brothers, and then how do I move that and to ensure, um, I don't want to say the survival, but the health and the sustainability and the wellness of other black men in the nation. But then also, how do I then, as an individual, um, especially in the space where I'm studying, where, where I'm the only black male, how then do I negotiate myself? How do I negotiate entry, but also negotiate exit in, in a particular space in a safe manner? Wow, that's amazing, and it's yeah. Oh, I hope I answered it correctly. Yes, so, <laughs> uh, yes, more than yes. Carry on, please. Because I think that's what it, it, it leads to. Uh, uh, to what I was saying, as I was saying that um, a closet or drama for life. Um, you, your body, your own personal experiences, your memories are also a form of an archive that you, um, we look at. Which a lot of times in many other. Um, fields of study, the body and the personal lived experiences are very much forsaken as an archive. And it's amazing that we've gotten to the point, like we're in 2023, and that, you know, only small niche fields like drama therapy are picking up on this. It's so important to honor the body, the politics, which you touched on, and the lived experience, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely amazing. I want to ask you, and I mean, I don't know if you would have an answer, but why do you think it is that there is such a deficit of men studying the field of drama therapy and particularly black men? That's very interesting because that's a field of research that I'm very interested in. Oh, yes? Oh, tell us about your research. We want to hear. Um, um, and, And I'm not just 
to kind of do drama therapy, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take it out to the whole psychotherapy, um, psychotherapy range. So looking at psychologists, looking at a, at psychiatrists, and, and, and let's remember that psychiatrists are also medical doctors before the psychiatrists, right? Looking at um, also social workers, and then we're now looking at. Uh, drama therapist in particular. And I think part of the matter is um, because of the structure and how the nation is is placed at this moment and just the various politics that you face as, as a nation, um, men, black men, generally just don't go for therapy. So if black men generally don't go for therapy, um, taking a career that is a therapeutic that a therapeutic direction just does, does that make sense because what do I do there? What is it there? We see it as very much a feminine thing. We see, we see it very much as something for the other gender. For black men and generally for black people, we see it as a white thing. Right? So like I tell my black brothers, they're like, oh, the white people thing. You know? Like, that's what happens. So I think number one is it's to do um, with the just the basic stereotype of black men going for therapy, black men uh, um, admitting mental health struggles, black men dealing and being able to identify with various mental health struggles. So I think um, the, the, that's the number one reason why there is the deficit. <clears throat> and then part of the issue then now is um, whether we like it or not, so South Africa is very much an, an, an unequal country, right? Uh, with um, a small population being quite privileged and like a larger population being, being fairly un, un, underprivileged, right? So then what happens is that um, a person from a township in Alex or Soweto or Kailicha, right, who wants to be a drama therapist, they really come in with like this personality, this attitude, this walk, this speech from Kailicha. Then what happens is that we enter into the uh, therapeutic space and like there's structural violence imposed unto them. So then I cannot speak of an act, I cannot dress the, the way I, need to, I must dress formal or I must dress. This is a possible dress code, right? True. If I have dreadlocks, make a plan that that's because you're not fitting the mold. That's so unprofessional. You see, so because of this very structural violence that is then imposed onto the black people, and then therefore then many of them either leave the professional or like leave the study or if they continue then move forth into the academic slash research spaces and it's not just only drama therapy that exists in psychology there are many male psychologists if you check out if you check them out there are many of them black male psychologists many of them are registered in the fields of neuropsychology cognitive psychology or just research psychology where they just stand and research instead of actually dealing with people on the front line basis Okay, those stats are, are slowly changing, but that is the nature of the country it is today, and that's the cause of the deficit. Wow, and it's you see, it's amazing. I wonder <coughs> if had you know, for example, if you had gone into just straight up psychology or whatever, where there isn't as much emphasis on the body, like would you have grappled with this and discovered this in the way that you have? So thank you for sharing with us <laughs> your research. It sounds really interesting. We'd love to read it when it does I'd eventually <laughs> get <too>. published. <laughs> yeah, when you do all these wonderful research projects, we want to hear about them. But you know what? Our time is coming to an end. And so, Cabello, thank you very much for joining us. But before you go, I want to ask you, for somebody who is thinking about studying drama therapy, could you maybe give us three words of just attributes that you think would be valuable for this person to have? Um, sensitivity, 
Um, I can't think of this in one way, but like you need a very, very tough heart. Right. And like genuinely patience. Sure. Yeah, I, I think those are my three words that I come out of my head right now. Sensitivity, a tough heart, and patience. Thank you. And I love from what I'm getting from this conversation is that that's not just a feminine thing, you know, like because we think about women as like sensitive, so and patient. patient and kind. Like everybody <laughs> can possess those. Yeah. And that is amazing. So best of luck with the rest of your studies. And thank, thank you, so you so much for much. joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so that wraps up our second episode where we've been just chatting about you if you would like to go and pursue this field of studying drama therapy. Please do join us for the next episode where we're going to be talking about drama therapy and its place in self-care as well as how Drama for Life came about. As always, my name is Kirsten and I'll catch you next time.